Tanya for the 28th of Adab, first in the story. The Tzadik of Moshe Leib of Sasa once had a chassid in a particular village who had a, had a burglar, who had a, a thievery. And they searched the entire town. They could not work out who did it. And this chassid came to Moshe Leib. It doesn't say what was stolen, but it sounds like it was, it was, it was of, it, it was very important, whatever it was. And so they came to the Tzadik and, they, and he asked the Tzadik, what can I do in order to, to, to deal with this, to, to um, reclaim this um, lost object? So the Tzadik told him like this. The Tzadik says, Matzeh um, Shabbos, um, not Matzeh Shabbos, right before the end of Shabbos, read chapter of Tehillim 119, Kufyud Test, the longest one. Right as Shabbos is coming to a close. So now this man was an innkeeper and it was Matzeh Shabbos. And he started, right before Shabbos came out, he started um, reading the Tehillim of Kufiyot Test, which is a very, very long one. And, you know, it started, it, he started reading it, and it started getting late. And people were waiting outside the inn, waiting for the, all the, pe- the local peasants and Gentiles that were living in that city that wanted to, that knew that the, as soon as Shabbos was over, he would be opening up the inn. They were all waiting outside. And he was, he was reading out the Tehillim, like his rabbi had told him to do. And he gets to one of the last verses. It says, As one of the people that are coming to, to pick him up, like, you know, to say what's going on, you know, it's already dark and you're not by the inn. He says the word Tikrav. And that Tikrav in Ukrainian means you have stolen. So as soon as the Gentile walked into the room, the, the hostage was saying the Pasuk Tikrav. And he says, Tikrav, you have stolen. And the man was so shocked. He said, I didn't do it. My neighbor did it. His name is this and this, and he just and he literally gave up the whole the whole plot the, of who had stolen what from this chassid. It was all given. It was, it was all given up because he thought that the chassid was accusing him. The Tanya so far yesterday's Tanya was talking about the power of tzedakah, and the Altaba says that tzedakah is called mitzvah. When in the the Gemara, the Jerusalem Gemara, <coughs> Yerushalmi wants to describe. Um, tzedakah, it just describes it as a mitzvah. That's how, how powerful. And also, it gives a bunch of reasons why tzedakah is so much more powerful than the rest of the, the other mitzvahs. Now, the, that would be fine, aside for one thing. The Alter Rebbe has soft, uh, a soft place for two separate mitzvahs, tzedakah, and also limit Torah, learning Torah. So, the, we just declared tzedakah to be the greatest mitzvah, and Alter Rebbe is now going to say, well, I know that, um, um, that, um, Torah learning also has this quality of being the greatest and, connect, and, and, and equal to everything else, but it's different elements that make each one greater. Torah has one element, as we're going to describe today, and as we described yesterday, Sukkah has another element which makes it the greatest. And it's not a contradiction, they're greatest in different areas. So let's talk about the greatness of Torah. That's pretty much today's, today's um, topic. This is the Rabbi Seisha, We say that Torah is equal to everything else. Now, yesterday we just said that tzedakah is, is, is greater than everything else. Like we say, Torah is, is, is equal. Says al Now, earlier on in the Tanya, we'd had this incredible discussion describing the anatomy of the soul and the makeup of the soul. And we said that the, the, the soul has an inner um, uh, makeup, but it also has... Um, clothing that it wears. The soul expresses itself in certain ways. There's thought, speech, and action. Action is the most coarse, but of course the point of it all. And that's what makes Sadaka so amazing. But 
thought and speech are also expressions of the soul, but they're more subtle, they're more inner. You know, if a person's thinking something, they're expressing themselves to a degree, but you have no idea what they're thinking without a, uh, a thought control machine or whatever it is that hasn't been invented yet, and you have no idea what they're thinking. So, the gum, so that makes when you learn Torah, you're dealing with a much more inner part of your soul, which makes learning of Torah very, very subtle and very elevated. When a person involves himself in Torah, he's elevating, not only is he utilizing subtle parts of the garments of his soul, but it's also he's elevating these subtle parts that otherwise wouldn't be able to be touched because, you know, when you're learning wisdom, okay, then you're able to elevate the wisdom part of your soul, which otherwise, you know, the wisdom part of your soul would just be... Um, Inactivated, let's call it. Now, usually the way it works is you're not able to change your your emotions of your of your soul. We, we already explained that before. That's in the that's in the the dominion of 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 righteous, purely righteous, a real tzaddik, a, 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 a tanya-level tzaddik, a baini, on the other hand, can't really impact it. But if a person's utilizing it through Torah, they can make a difference in it. And additionally, this is the main reason. And I was going to say the final reason why Torah, the study of Torah, is so much higher than the rest of all the other mitzvahs. Why? Because all the positive mitzvahs all represent the limbs of the king. 248 limbs of a person, which represent God created us in his image, which means he, Hashem has, whatever that means, 248 limbs, which, has a rep- which each myth, positive mitzvah represents that. When we do a particular mitzvah, we're activating a limb within God. Again, whatever that means. We're, we're, we're using analogies over here that aren't, God does not have limbs, God's not a human form, but we're using analogies to understand ideas. Why is this so important to understand? Because where does Torah activate within God when we learn Torah? That's the important part. I'll read a little bit more and then I'll explain that side because it's a brilliant idea. But if you're going to have a human being and you're going to ask the human being, okay, I want to, I want to activate um, as much of you as possible. Move your hand. Everyone will understand that that's ridiculous. But if you tell a person to think about something, their brain is, is, is filled with trillions of, of nerve endings and, 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 and impulses. And the amount of the person that you activate when you utilize their brain, the, the, the power of the person is being fully expressed when their brain, or at least mainly expressed or mostly expressed when he uses his brain than when he uses any other part of his body. The, the brain is the, is the hub, is the center of the entire body. Everything's being controlled by it. So if you have a mitzvah, for example, that activates the hand, you're putting, you know, you're putting on tefillin. It's really powerful, and then the author is not minimizing that, but it can't compare to even a degree when a person sits down and learns her and activates his brain. Same thing with Hashem. So when we're doing a particular mitzvah that, that, that's act, that activates our hand, what, the energy we draw down from Hashem is very powerful. It's more powerful than anything that exists in this world, but 
when you're comparing you know apples to apples between activating the hand or arm in an analogy of God compared to the brain of God, when a person's actually learning Torah, you can't compare it in the slightest. So the Torah says, the reason why Torah is the most powerful is because the Torah activates the brain power of God, unlike the hand power of God. Again, whatever that means. Now you might say, wait a second, it's a physical brain, physical hand. What, what's the possible difference between it at all? We're talking about physicality. Nonetheless, And this is a principle that Al-Tarabah mentions. al says, you might be talking about physical Torah and physical um, uh, laws in, within the Torah. And everything in our discussion is all physical. Even the mitzvah itself that's in the discussion is a, is a physical putting coin in tzedakah, whatever it is. Says al when it comes to Torah... Though Torah might take a physical form now, you're talking about a donkey goring, a, don- a bull goring a donkey, or a person falling in a pit. Torah is able to retain its essence even as it falls down to physicality. It also gives an analogy: you have like a waterfall, and you have the the water at the top. And you say, "Well, look at the water at the top; it's so high compared to the water at the bottom." And then that water then falls to the bottom. The water might have changed altitude, but the water remains the same. So the author says the same thing with Torah. The spirituality and holiness of Torah, the, 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 the effect that it has on godliness, on God, is exactly the same. Yes, we're talking about physical Torah, and it's a physical scroll, but the Torah retains its identity, even as it falls deep, deep within this world, talking about things that are absolutely mundane. The spirituality, holiness, the purity of the Torah remains exactly the same, just as the water at the top of the waterfall and the water at the top, bottom of the waterfall is exactly the same order. Thank you so much for joining the Tanya 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 Tanya